When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name is Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Adrian Clark, the tactical analyst, and Seb Stafford-Bloor, editor of TIFO Football. A big week ahead in Europe and much closer to home. Tottenham have spent most of the season in the shadows. They've done remarkably well in an unremarkable way. But now they're in the spotlight. They need to be into Milan in the Champions League on Wednesday. Then there's the little matter of the North London derby. Adrian, mm. as an Arsenal man, give me your reasoned assessment <laughs> of the old enemy. Well, they're very good. I mean, they were outstanding, weren't they, against Chelsea? I thought that performance, by a million miles, their best of the season so far. They've been quite average, I'd say, yeah. performance-wise, Spurs, even though the results have been excellent. Um, no, I, I, was, I was supremely impressed. What I think they've got at the moment, Spurs, is serious competition for places in that in that attacking midfield unit. Um, the two guys that missed out against Chelsea, Lamella and Mora, have arguably been their two best players in, in those positions. So it was a bold call to to give them a rest for for the Chelsea game. But the guys that came in, your Eriksons, your Allies, your Son Hun Mings, well, they they knew that they had to had to perform, and and yeah, look, standards are, standards were very high in that game. The question is, can they maintain it over three big games in a week? That won't be easy. Well, it's not just three big games. I know Pochettino's talking about 10 games for, before the new year, which is once every three days, basically. You, you, know, you were at um, Wembley, Seb. Um, from the outside, it had the feel of a, almost like a landmark performance for Spurs. Inside it, what was it like? Very much so, Mike. I mean, it was... Um... I think Adrian nailed it. I mean, they, 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 so far this season, they're kind of in the place they are in spite of themselves because they've been very run-of-the-mill. They've, they've basically gone through games doing just enough to get through. Um, and that was the first performance of the season where they were comprehensively better, not just in patches, because they played well in sort of 10, 15-minute bursts this season. They were just dominant across almost the entire 90 minutes. And Wembley, Wembley really did respond to it. I mean, there, there's obviously, there are other issues that... Um, Wembley fatigue is definitely set in amongst the Tottenham fans because, well, everyone's just hacked off with it. It's, you know, it feels like this sort of this never-ending saga with the new stadium. And Wembley's not home. And it's like, you know, it's like when you're in a hotel for week after week after week and you're living out of a bag. It's kind of, you know, in the abstract, the same principle. And this was a performance which, I don't know, made everyone forget about it temporarily. And it was just, it felt like a, almost a catharsis of sorts. And, um, yeah, rejuvenating and, and a, a very timely moment for that to happen as well with the, with the fixtures up ahead. Mm, there was sort of a, 
almost like a make do and mend in midfield. You know, um, Dyer's had his critics, didn't, hasn't been playing well for England. Yeah. Uh, Musa Sissoko, where does he come from? <laughs> yeah, he's got to be his brother or something, hasn't it? It's, uh, look, Musa Sissoko has quietly, in a quiet way, been one of Spurs' best yeah, better players yeah, this season. Yeah, yeah. He's been excellent. Defensively, as much as he has going forward, I think he's done a really solid job for the team without the ball and deserves his place. Um, I looked at the two midfields ahead of kickoff, and I would have picked Chelsea's every day of the week. But... What, what transpired was that, that Spurs, Spurs played above themselves. Chelsea were way below par. And, um, and, and yes, yeah, Spurs, Spurs excelled. I still believe that that is a, a slight weak spot for Spurs, if, if I'm being truthful. They used to really bully yep. teams in the engine room um, when Dembele was, mm-hmm. was running things there. Mm-hmm. They're not the same now. Um, so in the long run, I think that's an area that needs beefing up. I also think, even though he's got a lot of potential, uh, Juan Foyth is a, is, a, is a possible weak link at the moment. And, and you know, up against your Cardis, Lacazette, Aubameyang, he's, he's going to have a difficult difficult week, I would imagine. And uh, yeah, it's but it's all part of the learning curve. He's ineligible for the European yes, side. Of course, yes, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, of course. Know, but, but I think I take the point. I look at him and I see, well, there's another product of, of Pochettino's coaching. And he's got this sort of empathetic approach. You know, we were talking about him being able almost like to to smell a performance, in other words. You know, you know very early on what is, what's going to be like. He's he's always said since very early in his tenure that he knows, and you see him doing this, he'll, he'll come to the sort of the edge of his technical area in the first few seconds of a game. He says he, 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 can, he can sense what the performance is going to be within about 90 seconds. And... Um, he can't, though, can he? He, <laughs> maybe not. I'll tell, tell you what, though, Adrian. It oh, sounds on, great, though, doesn't it? it it's a, it's a, yeah, exactly. It's a lovely soundbite. On Saturday, he had a point because you knew within five minutes of that game, I know it sounds absurd, but you knew Tottenham were going to win it just because the intensity was so far above ten, uh, Chelsea's. Um, their players were right up in the faces with their press and the energy and, and, and sort of the desire to win second balls was just so much greater. Um, and I think sort of one of, one of the themes throughout his season, Pochettino, has been attitude. Right? The thing that annoys him most is when he doesn't see the required attitude from his players. The most anger I've seen him actually was at Vicarage Road when he came in after they lost and he was livid because he was slightly red-faced and he, he clearly had a little bit of a shout because he said, you know, you, you, you don't... You don't win games just by taking the lead and then stopping and just, you know, just, just retreating and going down to second or third gear. You have to keep going on an opponent. And what pleased him most was not, he was asked about his tactical approach and he was, he was, he was given a setup to kind of praise himself with his, you know, with, with his, uh, his game plan. And he rejected it. He said, no, the most important thing is these 11 players and the way they played and the levels they achieved emotionally. And obviously, you know, uh, the, the sort of the, the Twitter intelligentsia sort of didn't really like that. And, and they're right not to, but he, he had a point. And, and it was sort of um, that is his thing, attitude, yeah. definitely. Yeah, that was good. Because you look at, you know, that sort of weakness that you talked about. I thought that was manifest in the first game against Inter mm-hmm. in the, in the mm. Champions League group, where, frankly, they lost when they should have won it, basically. Yeah, yeah. They can't afford anything like that, can they? They can't, no. No, it's always win or bust, isn't it? So they might as well go for it. And, and if the attitude is right, then Spurs are a match yeah. for anyone. We've seen that. What we'll say, going back to that last word on the Chelsea game, it was Chelsea's um, first away trip to anyone Eaton. Before that, I think West Ham were the highest-ranked team they'd, they'd travelled to. Yeah. So I think it was a shock to the system, and Spurs were right to get in their faces, and it, and it worked. Could work again against Inter Milan. It's yeah. I, I just I just worry a little bit when you come up against someone like uh, Icardi, who's just sort of on fire, that you can't afford to switch off for a second. So um, that's exactly so, what happened in the first game. Yeah. He did nothing yeah. apart from score. Yeah, anyway, yeah. anyway, a brilliant goal as well. Yeah, it's, uh, oh, yeah. it's lethal. I, they're up against it, aren't they? Because yeah. 
yeah, got got to go to the new camp and win. And uh, even though Barcelona probably could put might put out the second string for that one if they've already. Well, you thought so, wouldn't you? Cruise, they're, so. They're, you know, they'll, they'll be in cruise mode, and um, yeah. You know, but also, if you just look at you know, we, football's all about resources these days. You know, I, I saw a stat at the weekend that now Barcelona, the average wage is over ten million pounds each a year. Mad, that's crazy. It is mad. It's Absolutely mad. crazy. Now, on, on Spurs, I think their biggest challenge is is to maintain that energy, that attitude over three games in a week. It's, it's really hard thing to do. It's, it sounds odd because you just think a lot of fans would turn up and think, well, well, just do the same again. But every day feels different as a footballer and you can't always, for whatever reason, you can't summon up that same energy. That same electricity isn't always there. So I, don't, I can't see them producing two more performances of, of that level. Um, so, that, so they're going to have to be box very clever to get the right results in all three. Mm. You know, we look around and we ask the same question probably in Merseyside and in Manchester because of the cosmopolitan nature of modern football. Yeah. Are North London derbies as intense as they once were? It's a really hard question to answer because in, sort of, in my lifetime, there's been this sort of change in dynamic which has come gradually. Sorry for saying this. But, you know, sort of... <laughs> You're not sorry. Well, no, I'm not sorry. I'm being polite. I, I, you know, I love it. Um, but it's, it's sort of in the 90s, there was this, you know, Tottenham Arsenal felt very much like Tottenham West Ham does now in the sense that sort of Arsenal had bigger objectives, you know, especially towards the end of the decade. Um, and for Tottenham, it was the game because it was, I mean, I, I, my own fan base won't thank me for saying this, but it was the cup final. Mm. Whereas now it feels like both sides are on an, uh, almost an equal footing and they're both vying for a similar place in the table. Probably not the title if we're realistic, yeah. but certainly a place in that top four. Mm. Um, the intensity, I, I, I don't know if the intensity is the right word because the, the characters aren't the same. You didn't have, you had some fairly volatile personalities in those games in the past. You know, players like Tony Adams and Martin Keown and Patrick Fieri and Wright. It's not the same. Um, it matters just as much, definitely. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a more interesting game because it's more even. It matters more to Arsenal fans than yeah, it probably than it ever to, has course, because, yeah, it's, because it's a serious competition now. And yeah, I, I make you absolutely right. I think I. I'm probably battling out for fourth place, I would imagine. Maybe yeah. third, looking at the way Chelsea were dismantled at the weekend. Maybe they're not so no. so so much of a sure thing at third. So so now they're two very even teams. I, I don't think there'll be more than three or four points between the two clubs at the end of the season, which is why this is a massive game, mm-hmm. huge game, particularly for Arsenal because they're at home. Um, if Arsenal play like they did against Liverpool, which was really attack it with no fear, um, really full-blooded. It was so intense, that particular performance. If they play like that, I think they'll win the game. But anything less, and, and they could easily trip up. Mm, yeah, I'll turn the tables a little bit, Seb, if I may. Sure. You know, I asked Adrian, as an Arsenal man, to talk about Tottenham. Mm-hmm. You as a Tottenham man, what's your impression of Arsenal as they stand? Uh, in recovery, Mike. I was there yesterday to, to see them beat Bournemouth, and they deserve to win. Um, but they still look a little bit fragile. I mean, they they they're doing the right things more than they were. There's a little bit more, a little bit more sense to that team. I mean, not least in Lucas Torreira, who I think is a, is a really good player, and the kind of player um, Arsene Wenger needed to sign for about ten consecutive years, but never <laughs> did. But I mean, that's an ideological problem. But he he makes them look better. I, I still have big questions about that defence. I don't think Mustafi is good enough. Um, he looked very vulnerable yesterday. I think uh, Socrates is a good signing, um, but still probably lacks the understanding with Mustafi inside him to, to, to be 
as stable as, as uh, Emery needs him to be. Uh, I like the fullbacks. Um, Aubameyang is Aubameyang. He's a very good player. Uh, I think the Qatarian is hopeless now. Um, I'm sure I've just created a jinx and I will be in a week's time I'll, I'll receive all kinds of Twitter unpleasantness but I don't I, I, I can't remember another player who has disappointed me more coming into the Premier League given what he was probably since Andrei Shevchenko um, so I, I don't imagine we'll see him in the derby I, I, I think they're a better team than they were I think they are a harder team to beat you can't guarantee um, the kind of silliness that Arsenal used to produce <laughs> on a regular basis towards the end of Wenger's run um, so it pains me to say they are they are marginally better than they were, but it's pumped the brakes on the kind of I know they're unbeaten, I know they've got this, this tremendously impressive sequence, but I'm not entirely ready to sign off on on them. There, there, there's a, a year or two of work ahead. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, very fair. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue, argue too much of any of that really. Uh, Mkhitaryan has had some good games actually in the cup competitions this season, but but, but I did take the point. he wasn't he wasn't very he good. Couldn't, against he couldn't pass his. He wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't his passes on a planet. Well, honestly, I, I was I he, take, taking the Spurs hat off. I want to see when I go and see a live game. Mm. I want to see the best players yeah. play at their level. Mm. He looks like someone who has lost all of his self belief. I don't know if that is that is a legacy of his time at Manchester United. Yeah. I don't know if it's just a, a lack of understanding with the players around him. I'm not sure, but I, I just, I, I was shocked. Yeah, uh, Unai Emery, very good. I think so far, so good with, with him. I, I really love his, his game management. Um, it's not easy. It's easy. It's easy for people like me, you know, tactical analyst or whatnot, where you're sitting watching it on TV or at the game from up high. You could get, you can read the game very quite easily at times. He's in the technical area and he's seeing the right things at the right times and making the right changes almost all of the time. Substitutions have had a huge impact this year. He's very quick to make substitutions. Yeah, yeah he doesn't mess around. Yeah, the Gwendouzi change yesterday. It's was, ruthless. Was really it's ruthless. And, yeah. and, and I love the fact that no one is now safe. It doesn't matter what your name is, what your yeah. surname is. Yeah. You, you're not guaranteed to play every single game, home or away. And we saw that with Mesut Ozil at the weekend. Mm. He's picking teams horse, with a horses for courses approach. And that is just what that group of players needed because now... They can't take anything for granted. And that is why we're seeing higher standards. Mm. With Ozil, mm. were you surprised at that omission? Not at all, no. And I don't think it's a big deal. I think that he uh, has had some really good games this season and he had some ineffective games this season. But that's Mesut Ozil. He is a luxury player, yeah. but he's a, when he's hot, he's sizzling. Isn't he? So, so I think you can afford to have a few few games where we do leave him out. It doesn't mean Unai Emery's written him off. I just think he felt Bournemouth away. I don't need him. I think I can get away with winning by, by leaving him out. This isn't the type of match I feel that bring that might suit him. And he was proven correct, wasn't he? Arsenal got away with it. They won. So, so all this talk of Ozil being an outcast and whatnot that's in the press today, nonsense as far as I'm concerned. He'll play against Spurs. Also, I, I, when that news team news broke, I was watching Ozil during the warm up. He was absolutely fine. He was he was messing about in the rondo with the other other substitutes. Mm-hmm. He's having a great time. If anything, he looked pleased for the day off. The the, the one point, the caveat of this is. You pay £350,000 a week for a player that you're happy to leave out for certain away games. I totally get why people are uh, flummoxed by that and they think, well, surely you've got to get rid of him. Well, you've got the same thing going on with Alexis Sanchez up at Man United. Is it an Arsenal thing? Well, my view on that that is that he is... He is an expensive luxury player, but that he's still worth it, even if if you do leave him on the bus sometimes. I don't think it's that big a deal. In fact, it might make his good days come about more frequently if That's he has this, has this little jolt every now and again that reminds him, 
I'm not an automatic selection anymore. Yeah, you know, yeah, taking your point about the, the, the nature of the unbeaten run, but it is 17 matches. Mm-hmm. The other stat that amazes me still is that yeah. they have yet to be ahead at half-time in any mad. fixture. It's mad. It's, it's such a such an annoying stat for Arsenal fans, but but it's they haven't been very good in the first half. It's weird, but... but so you, what you could say is that is Unai Emery getting his game plans right, his starting 11s right? Sometimes maybe he hasn't. But, but what I will commend him for is seeing it, seeing what needs to be fixed. And then in the second half, they've, just, they've been sensational in most of the second half. It's odd. It's about time they started a game faster. And as truth be told, I think in the derby, if Arsenal produce a typical first-half performance of this season... They could find themselves two down, mm-hmm. and and because Spurs they've got clinical players, so they've got to be on it right from the word go. The one game that they they were actually pretty good in the first half was was Liverpool, um, and like I say, a re- replication of that, and they'll be all right. Mm. What was anyone in particular impress you at Bournemouth? <sighs> yeah, it wasn't that type of game, was Not it? Not <laughs> really, Mike. I think uh, Leno, the goalkeeper, played well. Mm. Um, had a couple of uh, poor moments with the ball at his feet, but he made a couple of really good saves. Um, Is that it for Czech, do you think? I don't want to say that's it, because I, I still think having having two goalkeepers of that quality is a, a tremendous luxury. Um, I think also the role of Czech and Leno to each other is quite relevant here in the sense that if you've got if you've got a if you have no clear drop off between your first choice goalkeepers or your your, your equal first choice goalkeepers, that's a very healthy thing, it seems. Um, I don't know. I mean, um, you know, the former temporary. I mean, uh, it's his first season in England, after all, and uh, he he might have a downturn at some point. And and if that were to happen, who better to come in than a guy that's won the league a couple of times, yeah. and you know, someone of tremendous experience. So no, I don't think so. Um, Czech sort of seems to be probably not perfectly happy, but he's not about to throw any. No, he's a good egg. He's a good professional. Yeah, and I spoke to the goalie coach last week and he was, he said that they're getting on just fine and they're they're pushing one another and I think they realise that it's a genuine competition. Who who plays best, you know, stays in the side. Leno's got the jersey. He's not going to lose it unless he starts having poor performances. Um, The other thing, the other point, I spoke to Steve Bold as well. The other point he made was a really good one. So I asked him about holding, Mm -hmm. Iwobi, Bayer. I said, these guys look like they've, they've, they've improved a lot. This season, and he, rather than say it was down to an Emery's coaching and whatnot, he said, "Look, with defenders especially like your Bayerns and Holdings, when you're that young coming into a big club like Arsenal in the Premier League, it's unrealistic to expect them to be sensational every single week, yeah. particularly at centre half, from where Holding had come from at Bolton." Mm-hmm. So he just said, "I think he believes it's a natural progression, and that they're just coming into what would be their peak years." So fascinating stuff. Mm. On and those. there's a centre half speaking about one of his own. He was he was really pleased with Holding's development, I have to say. So says there's a lot more to come. Um, I personally, Holding would be my first choice with, with Socrates at the moment, um, but. But Koscielny's not far away from a return, so mm. it'd be fascinating to see what happens. I noticed you tweeted he was he was he was warming down, wasn't he? Yeah, he, t- he took part in the warm down uh, yesterday, and he. I mean, I I don't know enough about um, conditioning to to judge it, but he looked very very close. Um, whether he plays on, I mean, that that's a that's a big ask. Oh no, no, he's two or three. You weeks can't. Away. I don't. I don't think you can. You can throw him into the derby. No that's, that's not fair on him. No. Um, he's also thirty three years old, so maybe you have to be a little bit careful with him. But. Um, He'll, he'll be back before Christmas, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Arsenal captains don't play anyway. This is what happens. Yeah, whoever has the armour never plays. Honorary position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got the Europa League 
tie on yeah. Thursday. Yeah. You know, I'm guessing that Czech will play in that. Of course. Would you imagine that, you know, given the nature of the trip, it's in Ukraine with all the uncertainty that's surrounding it with the news this weekend? Yeah. Uh, would he basically play the kids? Well, I would. Uh, in his shoes, normally I, I'm all for continuing momentum and. Um, yeah, just not going too weak. Don't ever give a game away. No. I don't think he will, but I just, uh, if, if I'm him, I'll probably leave in Ozil and Aubameyang in London. Mm-hmm. Maybe one, you know, one of the centre-halves. Um, yeah, why take them? I, I, I don't see the point. They've qualified. Whoever he puts out should avoid it, at least avoid defeat against Vorskla you know, to protect this unbeaten run. So, yeah, I, yeah in his shoes, I, I would definitely... They've, they've done the hard work. Great job so far, really professional. They've put themselves in a position where they can rotate. And unfortunately for Spurs, that's something they can't do ahead no. of the derby with the intergame. Mm. With uh, going on to Liverpool, you know, they, they've almost like got like a, a mirror image challenge. You know, they're at, uh, at PSG on Wednesday before the, the Merseyside derby on yeah. Sunday. Um, how important is that PSG game for them? Very, very. I mean, the, the, the loss in Belgrade made it so... I mean, on, on paper, it's a horrible place to have to go and win. I mean, I, I think they actually will. I think I, I think Paris Saint-Germain are, are, are sort of a grossly overestimated <laughs> team, mm. uh, pumped up by individual reputations. They always struck me as a nearly team. <sighs> you know what? You're make, yeah. making the mistake here. It's not a team. That's not it. a team. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Not a team. I, I think. Um, I, I, I mean, we, we we touched on this last season on this show. I think one of the great problems for them is that just they don't domestically. There's no. There's no level of competition. The bookies in in Paris yeah. have already paid out on the winning league. <laughs> they yeah, do that in July. Yeah, <laughs> but, and, and what that does as well, it heaps so much pressure on the Champions League games for the players. Yeah. Even though they've got high-profile players, obviously in attack, it, it makes those games. It magnifies the, the, those games so much that it can have a detrimental effect. Obviously, it might make some players rise to the occasion, but it could go the other way. But Adrian, how, how can how can um, how can a manager prepare for the challenge of a Liverpool, a Real Madrid, a Barcelona mm. when he's playing at sort of uh, Strasbourg mm. at the weekend? I mean, no disrespect to, to the other teams in Ligue 1, but. PSG enjoys such a preposterous advantage over all of them that if you had, for instance, say I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm Thomas Tuchel and I want to, I want to trial a back three. Sort of where is my, where is my dry run opportunity for that when you know it doesn't matter what I do because I, I'm stacking Cavani and, and Neymar and, and Di Maria or Mbappe at the top of the pitch and I, I will score four goals, whatever the. It's a it's a very difficult situation they, they, yeah, of what, their own making. The mistake is, PSG's managers and or the club has made is that they've just focused completely on the front end of the yeah, pitch and really ignored yeah. the back. And 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 you're never going to win the Champions League unless you've got half decent defence. So it's yeah, it's I, I think their recruitment has been quite poor, really. For sure. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure, it's yeah. uh, mm. it's a uh, it's completely driven. In that context, you know, there's a lot of talk at the weekend about David. The Gaia for about sixty million. Yeah. That probably makes a bit of sense for them. Well, it? he's been overworked, hasn't he? The last few years, <laughs> he could probably do with a couple of years off. Yeah. He's, oh, the thing about the Gaia, he's he's sort of. I mean, the market for him is a little bit narrower than people assume because Real Madrid has spent a lot of money on Thibaut yeah. Courtois. Mm. Atletico Madrid have Jan Oblak, who's one of the best goalkeepers in Europe. He's not really a Barcelona-style player. Um, and what other team can actually afford him? He's not going to be sold inside England. So, you know, Juventus maybe, but I doubt they, they, they have the resources to, to attract him. Mm-hmm. So really, if he wants to leave Manchester United, PSG are the only option. And for a goalkeeper, what? I mean, it's a, it's a victory lap. It's a sort of, you know, I, I can understand why Jean-Louis Buffon is, 
you know, he, he, he gets to, he, he's entitled to his extra medals. Of course he is. Mm. But for, for someone that has... I, I think know. the ship might pass from, yeah. I, th I think yeah, he maybe. might just stay at Manchester United. Yeah, well, I think it's the worst places to be. He's very yeah. well paid. And, you know, the Jose Fogg can't last forever. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. But you, you look at Liverpool and, you know, they're a good advert for a very good goalkeeper, aren't they, at the moment? Yeah. Only five goals conceded yeah, in, yeah. In, in the Premier League this season. Wow. Again, a little bit like Spurs, they can't afford any sloppiness you know, that they showed against um, in Belgium. Oh, it was a disastrous performance, wasn't it? And, and mm. an awful result, and it's put piled the pressure on. Because you know, Napoli have been surprisingly good, haven't they, really? this year? Yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, look, there's a, there's a very real danger Liverpool could go out of the Champions League. You know, this is a tough game. I'd probably, I'd probably side with Seb on this. I think it wouldn't surprise me if they went to PSG and won. I think, I think they'll score a couple yeah. of goals at least. Could be a real thriller. In Paris, um, entertaining game. But yeah, no, the the Liverpool back back four, back five has been excellent. Obviously, they finally addressed the goalkeeper issue, which I think was costing them a few goals per yeah. year. Um, they've finally given um, Gomez a, a run at centre half, which I think he's great. Every Liverpool great. fan wanted to see it. Yeah. Um, it's got. Alexander Arnold into the team. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the defence is fantastic now compared to before. Mm. And uh, conceded only 15 goals in 28 appearances mm. under Van Dijk. And, it's, and, and they do defend really well from the front as well. So, so before it was all about defending from the front because yeah. we've got a rubbish defence. Yeah. Now they're still they're still defending well from the front, but they've also got got a better rear guard. So it's no surprise to me that those stats have have come in and. Yeah, I mean, but for a sensational City start to the season, they'd be they'd be top, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, and that does skew people's almost objective. Uh, objective, really. If you look at um, at Alexander Arnold as a good example of the way that that club nurtures players, yeah. but also someone who's got a, an identification with the fan base and the community. Um, yeah, scored another fantastic great goal, goal on, great goal. on uh, at Watford. Um, how far can he go? far as he wants really I mean he he uh he reminds me a little bit of a, a young Carl Walker in the sense that he's uh he's a great technical footballer he's got blinding acceleration still think he has a little bit to learn without the ball I think one of the one of the great benefits of that sort of that Allison Van Dyke axis in the middle of the pitch is it's made life for those fullbacks easier it's probably not a coincidence that Andy Robertson has has also really improved this season and looks like a top class player I mean, I, I think it's for a young fullback. I, I, I think it really is just about experience. I mean, maybe Adrian knows this better than I do, but I mean, like, it, in terms of understanding and, and being exposed to certain challenges, whether that be inside the Premier League or, or in the Champions League, you know, playing against, well, if, if fit, he'll play against Neymar on, on uh, you know, and that, that's, a, that's a pretty steep learning curve, but then a very, very valuable thing for, for Liverpool and England. You don't get better unless you play. Exactly. Uh, right. you yeah. Against you play against the best as well. And, and Klopp, to his credit, has given yep. given Alexander Arnold the nod against some seriously good players in the last two or three seasons. And ahead of Nathaniel Klein. Yeah. I know he's been injured, but like Klein's yeah. not a bad player either. England probably have yeah. three of the best right backs on the planet, don't they? I mean, Trippier, one of the players of the World Cups, probably right now. Third choice. Yeah, he's had a big, for England. big drop off. Yeah, he's Trippier. had a drop off. I know he's had a drop yeah. off, but but yeah, he's he's not busted flush. So you, no. we've got three outstanding right backs, and if if the other two weren't so good, Arnold would already have you know fifteen twenty caps. Mm. Well, we said on this on this show last week. You know, look at uh, Wamba Seeker at, at Palace. Yeah. You know, good player. <laughs> yeah, good player, but no chance at the moment. No. I mean, Arnold's a great great technician. I mean, you see that with the with the free kicks. But yeah, I, I remember seeing him. Uh, last about a year ago at Anfield uh, against Southampton and I was blown away by his decision making he, he didn't make a bad decision the whole game so for, for a teenager yeah. to be doing that in the Premier League 
it means you're special. You know, I, I was a 19, 20-year-old when I went in the first team. It, you know, I did okay, but he's doing a lot, lot better than okay. He's, he's excelling at that level. And, it, and again, it's easy to excel in one game or two games, but he's doing it most of the time. And that, that marks him out as, a, as the real deal. Mm. And the fact that he gets preference on free kicks, you know, for a kid to do that as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, like senior, senior pros uh, protect that, don't they? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, he scored one, didn't he, in Europe, um, one in, of his in, first in, games. In, in, I think it was last season in the qualifying round for the Champions yeah. League at Hoffenheim. Yeah. It's got blinding free kicks. It's like 30 yards into the bottom corner. It's yeah. a, a wonderful technique. Good confidence, yeah. It's, yeah not as if, sure. it's not as if Liverpool are short of technicians. Yeah. So, yeah, he is, well, he's magnificent. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So if we can see them getting some joy in Paris, mm. what about when they uh, get back to Anfield and they've got Everton? <laughs> good, good derby, I think. Uh, yeah, interesting one for Everton as well. Yeah, they haven't really been very competitive in this fixture, have they? So... It's a tough one. If this, if this was at Goodison, I, I, I'd give Everton a fighting chance, but I, I, I'd, I'd probably, I'd have to, you'd have to side with Liverpool here um, because of their relentless home form. But, but, but Everton are, are moving in the right direction, I'd say. I'd say they're in a position where they can, they can at least put up a good fight at Anfield. They've got, what I like about what Silva's doing at the moment is he's, he's found a team. Yes, um, and yes, I think yes, you, yes. I don't want to go back to Spurs negative way, but I will. Derby week, Adrian, you go ahead. Exactly. The, <laughs> but, but, but one criticism I'd have of Poch is that he, he doesn't know his best team. He doesn't know it at all. No. Um, I think he's he's ninety five percent towards having his 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 first choice team now. Well, the word is that he's looking at uh, Adamola Lookman. Yeah, who, well, is he, him or him or Bernard, I suppose? Mm. I, I wouldn't see him coming in for, for Walcott. Um, but look, he's got the settled guy, Richarlison up top, Bernard, Sigurdsson, Walcott. Mm. He plays him every week. I'm not much. sure about Walcott. No, me neither. No, but he's, he, as long as he's delivering goals and assists, he, he'll, he'll stay in the team. And Managers love, love the pace that he brings. He stretches teams, doesn't he? But he's not, yeah, he's not the finished article. We, we know that. Um, for me, Everton, we can't take them seriously as a top six side until they get a better, better striker, a better number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, if they bring in a, a proper goal scorer, stick Richarlison back out on the left, yeah. then, I th- then I think you've got, a, you've got a proper strike force then. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think I, I think the difference is also uh, someone like Gilfie Sigerson playing in a natural position. When we first came to the club, he was almost shunted around the sort of the Wayne Rooney orbit, and I just mm. I understand the emotional. Playing sort of massively wide, wasn't he? Yeah, it's it was all unbalanced. You spend wasn't it? Yeah. so much money on a player, and then you ask him to learn a new position. It was mm. bizarre. I think I think the difference. I, I I still don't quite know what I I think of of Silver's Everton. I know that they're in the process of being de-alladized and that, <laughs> that's a good thing. But I, I, I don't, I don't have a firm handle on on their identity yet. I think they're they're better and they 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 have match winners. On um, on Silver, I think that we should probably hold fire. Silver in the yeah. Premier League has been superb for half a season, and then several times. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that, and then, and also you've got to put that question mark against Richarlison as well because yeah, yeah. this it was this time last year that he went from being. Uh, a world-beating player to nothing at all, and it was, and that part of that was about the silver issue and the Everton wrangle that happened. But it, it just hold fire, pump the brakes on that. Yeah, kind of on Richardson, I do think that he there is a striker in there. Yeah. He's got the attributes, hasn't he? He's yeah. big, he's quick, he can hold Finish. the ball. Yeah, like, yeah, he's got he's got the tools, and he's young, and he's young. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I like him in that position, and I understand why he's picking him in that position. But the truth is, if he had a better yeah. front-line striker, Richarlison would be on the He's left. a placeholder until something better comes yeah. along, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Manchester City, they're in Lyon. 
yeah. uh, fixture which um, you know, brings back to one of their rare failures, really, this season. Mm. Um, they won't make the same mistake again, which is, was basically complacency, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that Leon team is a, is a good side. I mean, it's got a few iffy departments, but, I mean, the, the, sort of the, the, the most well-known components are Memphis Depay and, and Nabil Fakir, but there's a couple of really good players in midfielder, Andembele, who, is, who I think in a couple of years' time will be a very well-known sort of continental standard footballer. Um, Rafael de Silva is still is still playing fullback, although he did get sent off at the weekend. Yeah, that was a mad challenge. Yeah, that was crazy. It? But it, he he has some form for that kind of tackle, though, <laughs> as we know. Yeah. Um, and and they're 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 a, they're a good side. I, I think it's an awkward one going there. But yeah, I, I think, I mean, we, we talk about this quite a lot, sort of off the camera, Mike. And it's City, and you just you can never look beyond this great weight of talent. And it, if the attitude is right, you expect them to dominate the game, and that's the that's the way of things now. So, yeah. They're very, very, very good. Are they almost too good? <laughs> too good. For the, for the general you know, health and wealth of English football? <laughs> oh, for English football? <laughs> yeah. No, because you want to raise standards, don't you? And I think that actually they have. They have raised the bar for the other teams. Yeah. Mm. Um, Leicester winning the title was obviously the best thing that could ever happen for the Premier League yeah. because it was a brilliant story, but also because it, it was a, a jolt for everybody else. It was like, hang on, we have to buck our ideas up here. We can't let this happen. And everyone's got so much better. You put all of the top six against their previous versions. Oh, yeah. That's a great um, And they would win. Mm. So, so yeah, it, it, no, it's Maybe good not Manchester for... United. Manchester United uh, probably draw nil-nil with themselves. <laughs> well, pretty, well, who was in charge of United then? Still Van Hal. Yeah, fact, yeah, they weren't yeah. very good. Yeah, right? I, 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 that's gold, gold of now. So, no... Th- I don't think it's bad for English football. No, we're watching some, some glorious football. It's a shame that they're they're wiping the floor so easily with some of the some of the also rounds. But that has that has always happened. You know, across if you looked at through the history books, the teams at the bottom often get you know hammered. Mm. We might as well get on to Man United then. Mm. They, they've got uh, young boys at Old Trafford on Tuesday. It'd be really interesting to see what the atmosphere is like, having been booed off against Palace. Yeah. I suppose the question is, if uh, the Manchester United manager was Joe Blow and not Jose Mourinho, yeah. would Joe Blow have gone by now? Does Joe Blow also have a, uh, a mus- much less lucrative basic wage and a, and a, and a far inferior <laughs> like, redundancy conversation? I don't know, Mike. I, I, I don't know what I make of Jose Mourinho anymore. I, I just, I think... I'm less sort of drawn to the result on Saturday and more the comments he made about Anthony Martial and Jesse Lingard before. You know, these are guys that are playing well. You know, Lingard especially had a good international break mm. where he could have come back to his club full of confidence and I think he's a, a very good player, but also, you know, a, 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 an emboldened player. And he just told them down in the press. You think, you... It's almost like, because of the way Manchester United are playing, the only thing to talk about in relation to them is what their manager says on non-match days. That's a very strange situation. And also, with someone who is who has so often been heralded as, as being very astute in his media handling, um, very uh, sly with, with his manipulation of attitudes and, and squad harmony and tension, and all of a sudden, it's a it's just a mess. It's a nonsense. Yeah, you've been in a lot of dressing rooms. Yeah, right? yeah that's interesting. <laughs> um, what is the impact of that type of, you know, let's face it, unfair 
and probably illogical criticism well, you, on fellow pros. Yeah, you would go down like a lead balloon and players will be talking about it and they'll be moaning about yeah, about the manager and probably threatening to go knock on his door. I'm not having it. I'm not having this. Adrian, yeah. when, when like, um, so there's different strains of managerial criticism. So a manager says to you, you were rubbish last week because you didn't do X or Y mm. very well. This guy has, has said, well, you, you don't have the heart or whatever he said. Uh, the, the, he questioned the sort of, the, 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 the sort of, um, the, the essence of their professionalism. Yeah, if you, if, you, if you question a player's professionalism, and this is why Luke, Shaw, this is why I'm absolutely flabbergasted at how well Luke Shaw has kind of come back yeah. from from being battered psychologically by by Jose Mourinho, shown real strength of character to kind of put it to one side. Because if he'd have said those things about me, I don't, I don't think I'd have wanted to play for him anymore. Um, now it's it, it, you've also got to consider when I played twenty you know twenty years ago, whatever. Players were generally more used to managers having a pop at them and they were tougher. Um, mm. But every single manager, and this is without fail, every single manager I ever played for in a professional game said, whatever I say publicly, I'm not, I'm not going to hammer you in the public, but behind the scenes, that's the truth that, that I'm going to be talking. So, so when a manager goes against that, then, then it's, it, it's a recipe for disaster, it really is. Um, the modern player is also incredibly sensitive. I think there's an, there's an argument to suggest that Jose Mourinho can't handle the modern player. And, and that is why he's not the manager he was. So, in other words, the game's left him behind? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's a, very, it's a very broad term. I just, you know, when, when a manager, manager criticises a player in public, there's usually a fairly transparent reason behind it. Like managers have always liked to, Brian Clough liked to tweak his players. Yeah. You know, uh, Tough love is a thing. It's, and, a, it's uh, a, you know, like yeah. he, I remember yeah. there's a story about him picking a fight with Larry Lloyd because he wasn't wearing a blazer just for the sake of it, just to kind yeah, of... But he probably didn't go to the papers and, and say And then say exactly that. And so there's, there, there's, no, there's, no, there's no upside to this. It's just a kind of, it, it's almost like he got bored during the international break but, but, and just thought... Yeah, on, on the flip fine. side, it was only a couple of weeks ago that, that, that Jose Mourinho was almost sitting there smugly saying, yeah, you see, a bit of tough love from me. Yeah, yeah. And now look at Martial, look at these guys, they're, they're absolutely flying. Um, so <laughs> I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but, but my hunch, based on what he said, is that the players are not loving Joe. So they can't, they can't be loving it. Uh, and if you are not sure whether you can trust your manager to look after you yeah. in the public eye, it's not going to last. Let's go for them from the, from the personal to the professional. Yeah. Worst start in 28 years. Mm -hmm. uh, they've created fewer chances mm -hmm. than Southampton, <laughs> who are struggling for their lives. Does that say a lot? Absolutely. I mean, you can't look beyond it. I mean, sort of the, the weight of attacking talent of that club and the, the wage bill behind it and the transfer fees spent on it. On Saturday, they're outshot by a team who haven't got a forward. Mm. They're outshot by a pass side who I think Jordan I is a serviceable player. He's not centre forward. You know, and yet I, Wayne Hennessy may have been man of the match, but it's just without a sort of without a, an ulterior diagnosis, what, where else can you look but sort of uh, this, this sort of I don't know, the, the, this, this collective ennui, a sort of dulling of, of, of the senses, which has occurred as a result of this endless week-to-week -week attrition of a manager that just picks fight after fight after fight, and when it doesn't go wrong, there's a, it's always an excuse. And, and, sort of, and when, on the, the few occasions when it, when, it, when it does go well, he's the first to stand up in front of everyone and, and do the I told you so act, and, mm. you know, where's my respect? And I was like, well, score some goals. You need, you you need to be... Um... If you play for a big club at like Man United at home in front of, what is it, 74, 75,000 mm -hmm. fans, mm -hmm. you need to be confident to perform. 
And I think he's knocked a bit too much confidence out of too many of his better players. And that is one of the primary reasons we're seeing what we're seeing. So what do we need to see from United when they play Southampton on Saturday? Southampton, well, it's, it's, a, it's a game they want, isn't it? I mean, I said before, if Ranieri could have picked a, a game for his first first match, it would have been Southampton at home. Joe said probably the same. Um, but, but look, they haven't battered anyone at home, have they? Man United haven't, haven't beaten anyone by distance on home turf. So Southampton will be, will be maybe thinking, yes, it's not so bad. Um, I, I, I don't know what they've got to do. They, all, in simplistic terms, you just want to see Man United cut loose. Mm. We saw it against yeah. Newcastle in that, in that crazy second half where they basically just thought, Stuff it. Let's just let's just stick everyone up front and go for it. Mm. And they scored three they goals. Were great to watch as well <laughs> in those forty-five minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know they are at Southampton oh, rather okay. than at home. But um, you know, bearing that in mind, if, if, if Southampton, if there's a change in manager in Southampton this week, yeah. and someone else comes in and there's a little bit of a bump, you give Southampton a chance. Yeah. That's the state. Yeah, of and United you know, were quite lucky against Bournemouth. I remember they got yeah. battered for a lot of that game. So mm. yeah. It's, it's, it's a tr- tricky game for United, but for Southampton, a pretty poor. There are too many things which are going <laughs> wrong there. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, Chelsea, yep. one point ahead of Arsenal. Um, let's just, you, know, you saw them. Uh, do we see them in their true colours at Wembley? Hmm. I, I don't know because they were so hopeless that I just can't believe that that is the standard. I mean, they, they, um, also, they, they, were, they, were, they weren't good, uh, the attitude was wrong. But they're also let down very badly by a few scandalously bad performances. Like uh, David Luiz was couple for all three goals. His challenge for the third goal. Um, I've I watched a lot of football this this year. I've, I've you know been to League One games, League Two games. I've seen a bit of conf- uh, <laughs> National League on the TV. It's the worst attempt to win a ball I've seen all season. <laughs> it's, I mean, I, we've all stood in the mix zone and seen him walk past us. He's a unit. And he acted as if, with Sonia Min running him, that that was actually Christian Vieri. He was afraid for the. He was afraid of the tackle, and it was it was astonishing to watch. Um, so I think that exaggerated it. Um, I think also um, Jorginho had a, an unnaturally poor game. He was marked out of it by Dali Ali. They did a very good job on him. So no, I don't think that. I, I just think there are a few fundamental problems with Chelsea. They didn't need forward. I think uh, as of Saturday night. They will be hunting for a new centre half. Yeah, I would have thought, and, and presumably a centre forward as well. If you look, I think so. you know, Mar- Maratta can't, no. you can't, you can't keep going with him. No, can he's, you? A good, he's a good player, but but he's yeah, he's he's a, he's a sensitive player, and I, I think. Would you play Giroud? It's a very close call between the two. I think, I think they've both got pros and cons. I actually think Morata is, is a better fit for the way Chelsea play, if, if, I'm, if I'm being honest. And a, and a, a Morata in form is, is good enough, but he's not been in form. He's had too many off days, hasn't he? He looks like he's afraid to be on the pitch. Yeah, he's, he's, it's he's hard too, to see. He's actually. too nervous. Um, I think Sarri might need to look, and I know he's very stubborn, he, he loves his 4 3 3. I think he needs to look at, revert, at switching it up. Um, I understand. He has to have Jorginho at the base of his midfield. I get it. So to collect get, the ball off the centre half. It's, it's fundamental to the right. way his Chelsea play. But, but but Conte being so far forward is is weakening them. That that screen in front of the back four isn't what it used to be. So I think he needs to go for two proper old fashioned two 
wonder ball player, wonder ball winner, mm-hmm. and, and maybe go four two three one. I think if he's big enough to admit that, Sarri, then it could be a really big turning point for Chelsea. Conte did it when they won the seat, won the title. That he switched the formation. Will Sarri do it? I wonder. That's after a performance which is very similar to to the one on Saturday, that three 0 at Arsenal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very the real symmetry there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that leads in very well to the first question from the um, <clears throat> excuse me the viewers and the listeners mm-hmm. from. Um, Stefan Adams, what do you think Sarri will do with the Chelsea midfield? Does N'Golo Kante fit the 4-3-3 system? Yeah, well, but yeah, just going back to that then, yeah, he can fit it. He can be a brilliant box-to-box player. Of course he can. He, and we've seen it this year. He's, he's offered a lot going forward and Chelsea are winning the ball higher up the pitch. But against really good opposition like Spurs... Jorginho, he's, he was exposed. His defensive frailties were exposed. So for me, put them together. And, and just change up the system a little bit. Go, for, you know, four four one one. Uh, Hazard in behind a striker. Potentially, that that would be what I would be looking to do. Um, you, you could afford to drop a, a, a Kovacic or a, or a Barkley if you wanted to keep the wingers. So that's that's how I would play it. Yeah, mm. yeah I agree. Um, Nathan Besford, uh, one for you. You talked about the possibility of Southampton getting rid of a, you know, um, their manager. Are the panel surprised there's only been one sacking in the Premier League this season? Um, yes and no. I mean, historically, yes. But no in the sense of what the Premier League is this season. I'd have been, you know, your obvious candidates were Slavisa Jukanovic, of course, um, and I suppose David Wagner and Neil Warnock, but neither of them were, I mean, neither of them deserved... To, 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 to leave their clubs, obviously, given what they've achieved. I am a bit surprised that Mark Hughes is still there, um, just because, not necessarily just because of the performance, but the reaction to the performances and this list of excuses which comes out. And this, Do they need to get the director of football in before yeah, they get Because the you want the director of football to appoint the manager, yeah. or at least to be aligned ideologically with what the manager wants. And the big problem at Southampton is not one single issue. It is this multifaceted, um, you know, it's the poor recruitment. It is the style of play and also this strange disconnect between those two things. And until you cure that, you can appoint whoever you yeah. want and it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. Well, Hughes, Hughes is a dead man walking. Yeah. It's just a matter of time before before they appoint that person above him who will then get his own person. I think he's the only manager that actually deserves to be yeah, sacked. Yeah, I agree, I agree. I think yeah. he does deserve to be sacked. Yes. Uh, but he's probably the only one. Jukanovic, in my view did deserve to be sacked, even though he was sensational the year before, just because his mind was absolutely frazzled. He could not see the wood for the trees. Right. And I think they were on, they were heading for, for bottom spot until they made that change, unfortunately. Right, another managerial change which we can end on. Um, Big Mick, Mick McCarthy, uh, yeah. back in football with uh, the Republic of Ireland. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Kenny, very highly rated uh, Dundalk yeah. coach taking the under-21s. They're obviously taking a little bit out of the England playbook here. He's going to have a couple of years, then take over from Mick in 2020. Um, good, bad or indifferent appointment? Uh, good structural change. Uh, I'm a little bit indifferent to the top layer of it because I mean, McCarthy did wonderful things with Ireland not so long ago, but he did wonderful things with a much more gifted generation of Irish players. Um, I don't think the problem with... Um, the FRI is is a manager. Um, I think it's it's the structure and and things contained within that and some of the individuals within that. Um, I think this is a progressive step in the sense that there is a clear plan. I mean, you've always got the sense before that, you know, with the appointments of Martin Neal and Trapattoni, and it was like we're just a results business. 
you know, that there's, you know, there's because there's all kinds of problems with the League of Ireland as well, and there's sort of there's a cultural deficit um, which needs to be cured, and that's a very long-term issue, um, as England have found out. You know, this is, you know, this what's happening now is really uh, after ten years worth of work. Um, so I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm because he is again a, a bit of a placeholder. I'm not sure it's that relevant. I think what happens next and and what he allows to happen after he goes is very important. Because mm. Mick McCarthy, you know, one of the criticisms levelled at, at Martin O'Neill and, and Roy Keane were that they were too old school. Well, you know, <laughs> Mick isn't a, a, a new age man, is he? No, really? he's not new age, no. But he, like, <laughs> Although I do love him, I have to say. <laughs> I really like Mick McCarthy. Yeah. He reads the game brilliantly, I have to say. Uh, he's a good analyst and good motivator, we know that. Um, he... he probably is more capable than most of trying to persuade Declan Rice to, to put his allegiance towards Ireland. I still think he'll probably go, go to England, but Mick will give it, a, give it a right old go, I'm sure. I think it's actually, <laughs> I think it's a, a good appointment because they, want, they clearly want Kenny, but weren't quite brave enough to give it to Kenny. So it's like a holding position, isn't it? So no, it makes sense on lots of levels for me. If I'm Mick, though, I'm a little bit put out that you, you kind of know that you've only got X amount, but look, he wanted the gig and look, good luck to him. Really it's like a strange him. thing to do that publicly, to say this is what's going to happen. You could have agreed it contractually and then just allowed it to sit in the background. But it's, yeah. it's, it's created a little bit of the uh, supply teacher aspect to his... Uh, his, his reign, I guess. Yeah. Well, the problem is, there's, there's not a lot there to work with. Now, they say never go back, and they're probably right. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.